0: feel a very unique unction in the Holy Ghost that God wants to speak and minister to a particular group of people. God wants to minister to someone today who is righteous and has a history of faith. Even a relationship with God and yet God has rebuked you, and you are going through a valley, a storm, as it were. Job 38 and 1, if you have that, say amen. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Look at your neighbor and say a storm. And said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare, if thou hast understanding, who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest, or who hath stretched the line upon it, whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened, or who laid the cornerstone thereof? I'd like to preach for just a few moments this morning the stormy voice of God, the stormy Voice of God. Can you put your Bible down? Lift up your hands. And the spirit is already moving. But I want you to pray that God would open up your heart. Lord, in the name of Jesus. The fallow ground has been broken up. Worship has prepared the way. Praise has prepared the way. And I pray that now we would receive what you have given to us today. I pray that we would not reject it. I pray that we would not miss it. I pray that we would not avoid it. I pray that we would not overlook it, but that we would receive the word with gladness. We give you praise. And everyone said in Jesus name, in Jesus name, God bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I'm always struck by the story of Job Because his. Surroundings seemed so perfect when you meet him in Job chapter 1. He was a man the Bible says was perfect and upright, one that feared God and hated evil. He had seven sons. He had three daughters. He was wealthy, not only financially, but he was wealthy when it came to issues of land, when it came to issues of substance, He was a respected man, he was a revered man, he was a man that other people looked to and said, I would like to be like Job. If you were to meet Job before his trials, you would have said, I would like to be like Job. I'd like to have his life. People looked at Job, no doubt, with envy. They looked at Job and said, I would like to have the things that he has. Not only do I want to be like him, but I would like to have what he has. He had homes. He had food. He had security. He had health. He had safety. He had love. He had all of these things, and and it gained the attention of hell. So much so that when Satan came before God and presented himself before the throne of God, he was In a conversation with the Lord, and God said to him, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there's none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and hates evil. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? In other words, does he serve you with no purpose? Does he serve you without understanding? You've made a hedge around him, about his house. You've protected him on every side. And you've blessed everything that he does. Everything that his hands have touched have been blessed. And he has increased. He's wealthy. And I'm telling you now, Satan said to God, if you will put forth your hand and touch all that he has, he will curse thee to thy face. This was a test. Satan was literally putting Job's righteousness on. To the test, And can I just pause at the risk of causing some of you to go into a fearful coma and tell you that if you walk in righteousness long enough, Satan will put your righteousness to the test. He will test you and he will challenge God to test you. And the Lord said to Satan, listen, I'm not going to touch him. I want you to notice that because that had never penetrated my thinking before. Satan asked God to touch him. Satan asked God to reach down his hand and take the things away. And God said, I am not going to touch my servant, Job, but I'll tell you what I'll do. I will give you a window. Everyone said a window. I'm going to give you a small window of opportunity where you can begin to touch the things in his life that he holds the dearest. And so Satan began to reach out and, it be- and he began to touch areas of Job's life. Satan will always attack righteousness. Satan will always attack righteous people. He will always intensify his attack on people who are committed to the things of God, the house of God, walking with God, serving God. He will come against it with all of his might because Satan hates righteousness, Satan hates holiness, Satan hates obedience. Satan hates faithfulness. Satan hates sacrifice. And so he will come against you when you began to walk with God. And this is a spiritual attack and not just an earthly attack. Oftentimes we look at things in our lives and we're tempted to believe that it's just life. But underneath the surface, there is a satanic warfare that is taking place. And there is a thing that begins to happen in our walk with God where we are just moving through life when suddenly out of nowhere there will be a satanic attack that comes underneath the surface. Job didn't realize anything was happening in the spirit realm. He was just going about his life being faithful to God and suddenly a war began to break out in the heavens. Can I tell you that I feel and sense in the spirit That we are living in the last days. And Satan knows that we are living in the last days. He can read the signs of the times just like you and I can read the signs of the times. And he is attacking the righteous like never before. There is a spiritual warfare being raged in the heavenly places that we must become aware of. And he will attack us In the areas that we hold most dear. The Bible tells us though that we cannot fight this warfare the way that we expect to fight it in the flesh. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 2 Corinthians 10 and 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And I've just got to preach this right now, even if it gets quiet. You better get your imagination under control. You better get your mind under submission to the Holy Spirit, because the battle will be waged in the Spirit in your mind, it will be waged in your thought process. It will be waged in your imagination. And some of you have allowed your minds to wander to unspeakable places. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus right now. You better cast down imagination. You better cast down every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. That is where... The spiritual warfare takes place. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. And Mo Marvel, for Satan himself, is transformed into an angel of light, 2 Corinthians 11, 14 says. So the satanic forces of hell will come against you oftentimes transformed as something that you would Trust in the natural. 1 John 5 and 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. In other words, we achieve victory through our faith. Faith is what gives us ultimate victory in spiritual warfare. God gave Satan permission to attack Job in three areas. I'm going to slow down and preach this Because I don't want to miss what God is trying to do this morning. He gave him permission to attack Job in three areas. Number one was his health. Number two was his wealth. Number three was his family. I I don't want to sound negative, but I think that I would be honest, if I were to tell you, and, and Sister French, I think you might would even testify to this as well. I think in my life, my 35 short years of life, there has never been a time where one or more of these areas was not under some kind of attack. Everybody okay? I know you want to shout, but we're going to get serious and we'll shout in a minute. I don't think there has ever been a time in my 35 years of living for God where one of those areas was not under tremendous onslaught from hell. I was born into a preacher's home. I was born basically in church. I received the Holy Ghost when I was seven years old. I've been serving God since I was seven years old. That's not to say that I've been perfect I certainly have not. My mother could talk to you about my teenage years and she could testify that I was not a perfect teenager. But I have served God the majority of my life. And I can tell you that when you are striving to serve the Lord, however imperfectly, when you are striving to be upright, when you are striving to abhor evil, when you are striving to be obedient to the things of God, There will be one of these three areas of your life, Brother Duffy, that is always under attack. It will either be your health, your wealth, or your family. And somehow you have to find a way to serve God in the midst of adversity. I'm just going to tell you the truth. I know some of y'all came looking for Joel Osteen, but you got Ryan French today. Now, Joel would tell you that you can have all of these things perfect. You can be rich. Your wife's teeth are going to be perfectly white. She's just going to pray, and they're going to be straight and white. When the light hits them, they're going to blind your eyeballs. Yeah, He'll tell you that you can have perfect health, and I hope that you do. But the reality is this. We live in a world tainted, Brother McGee, by sin. Mm. And what that means is when mankind sinned, a curse... Came into the world. God literally cursed the ground. What that means is, I'm just going to go ahead and let it get real heavy, but I'll preach you back up in just a minute here. What that means is, everywhere you walk, you are walking on cursed ground. Unless you have a Moses moment where God says, take off your sandals because I'm calling that holy ground. Every once in a while you can step into a place where the presence of God is so strong that you've just got to take your sandals off and stand in the presence of God. Because God can take cursed ground and turn it into holy ground. But unless God calls it holy, you are walking on cursed ground. Everywhere you plant your foot, even if God gives you the land. Even when the Israelites stepped over Jericho's walls and they stepped into the land of promise. It was the promise of God. But they were still in a finite sin-filled world. And when they stepped into the promised land, it was still cursed ground. You know how I know that? They still had thorns and thistles that grew in their gardens. Because there were no thorns and there were no weeds and there were no thistles until sin entered into the world. And God began to introduce into the atmosphere, into the very soil that he created, the same soil that he fashioned mankind and breathed the breath of life into. That same soil was now cursed with sin. And good fruit and bad fruit comes from the same soil at the same time. It's just like mankind. We can be good and evil at the same time. It's why someone can't can turn around and bless God in one moment and turn around and curse their brother in the next moment because they've got good fruit and bad fruit coming up. But the child of God is to walk fully saturated in the Spirit. Hey, somebody needs to understand that you can walk in the Spirit. You can talk in the Spirit and you don't have to be double-minded any longer. I just feel the spirit of Joshua on me this morning. Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether it be the gods of our fathers or will it be the gods that they worship before the flood. In other words, will you go back to the false gods? Will you go back to the old ways or will you serve the one true living God? Now you might say, why are you preaching this at Apostolic Tabernacle on Sunday morning? And you might could have asked Joshua the same thing these were the very men who had fought their way through Israel and conquered the land but Joshua knew even righteous men even holy men even godly women every once in a while need to be challenged to make up their mind all over again because if you get to a place where you are not sold out where you are not completely decided you will have a stumbling moment where you have to decide where am I going to stand where Where am I going to worship? What am I going to praise? What am I going to do today? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When He attacks your health, it affects you differently than when He attacks your wealth. When He attacks your family, it affects you differently than when he attacks your wealth. There are some people that they can lose their wealth and they can keep their faith. And then there are some people, they can be poor as Job's turkey and you take that $1 they've got in the bank and they can't serve God any longer. Yeah, some people, you get that last $5, and that's it for them. For some people, they're, they're fine until their health is attacked, and then there's just something about their health. You know, when your health is attacked, how many have ever had a real health issue? I mean, a health issue where you thought you may not make it. I, you know, I was I was born with that, and so that's just been a part of my life. I was acclimated to it early on. I learned how to grow my faith. That was an area where my faith grew strong at a very early age. Did you know faith is like a muscle? As you exercise it, it grows stronger. And the more you use it, the stronger it becomes. And so I exercised that faith for many years as a child. And so health has not been an area That's been difficult for me to overcome when when health is attacked. My faith remains strong. And but for many people who have never had a health issue, when suddenly they lose control of their health, it seems like their whole world is upside down and it's very, very hard for them to trust God. And they can look at someone else who's going through a health trial and say, I'm just believing God to bring you through. They have faith for their brother and their sister, but in their own life. It's very hard to have faith. Have you ever noticed it's easier to have faith for your brother than it is for yourself? So health can be an area of tremendous attack for some people, their family. I believe personally that family is the most difficult area to endure when your family is attacked. It can be the most painful for me. I would give up my life for my children gladly. It wouldn't be difficult for me. If my health, if I had to choose between my health and my wealth and my children, I would choose my children every single time. And when your family is under attack, it brings a certain kind of sadness to your heart and it can cause you to question God. And can I tell you that I am not being critical of the questions because we have all questioned God. Anybody here ever questioned God before? Anybody here ever wondered why do I have to go through this trial and I could preach all the things that Job went through you've heard it preached before the pain in his body he felt like dying his friends came and made things worse and I'll just go ahead and tell you brother McGee that's usually how it works I'm sorry but when you're going through a trial don't lean on your friends lean on Jesus because in the end your friends are going to say something that hurts your feelings that's why it, you know we, there's this big thing about church hurt out there right now anybody heard about church hurt it's trending everyone's talking about church hurt I can't serve God because someone hurt my feelings at church. Hey, listen, someone's going to hurt your feelings at church. They're going to hurt your feelings at work. They're going to hurt your feelings when you're driving down the highway. People are going to hurt your feelings at the grocery store when you're going through a trial. You better not lean on people because people will let you down. You better lean on Jesus because he is the only sure foundation. People are going to hurt your feelings if if you're dependent on people to praise God, then you're going to you're just not going to praise God very much because people are people. But God is God. I said, God is God. And so his friends came and they made things worse. They accused him of sin. They accused him of everything else. They basically said he didn't have any faith. He probably wasn't a good man all along. All the things that they went through, Job was literally scraping the boils off of his body. And he's going through all of this torment. He had lost his children. They had died. There had been storms that came out of nowhere. His wife turned against him and she said, just go ahead and curse God and die. And you have to know that it was tempting For Job to do just that. But he never did curse God. There's a difference between questioning God and cursing God. Hello. And you better know the difference. Because there's a fine line between cursing what God is doing and questioning what God is doing. Questioning can be okay to a point. Cursing is never okay. And so Job is questioning God. He's going through all of these scenarios and he's asking why. He's He's even asking God at one point, was all of my faithfulness worth it? Anybody ever felt that way before? Was all of my righteousness worth it? Was I just wasting my time? All those sacrifices that I made, Lord. All those things I gave to you, all that that I laid down, all the time, all the energy, everything I've done for you, God, I spent my whole life trying to be upright, trying to be perfect, trying to be holy. Was it a waste of time? Do you even love me right now, God? God. Were you ever even there in the first place? He's crying out to God. And you have to understand he's just a man. He's trying to figure out what is happening. And there's a certain part of me that would have expected God to speak to Job in a still, small, comforting voice. There's a part of me that would have expected God to just kind of reach down his hand and pick him up and hold him close and say, Oh, Job, I've loved you all along. Wouldn't you expect God to do that? Job had not sinned. Job had done nothing wrong. He had gone through more things than most of us could have gone through and still been righteous. And he's simply asking God why. And in the midst of asking God why, God speaks to Job from a storm. God doesn't come to Job peacefully. He doesn't come to Job with comfort, he doesn't come to Job quietly, he comes to Job in a whirlwind, in a storm. It's loud, the wind is blowing, the earth is shaking and God speaks with a thunderous voice. He said, where were you Job when I formed the world? Stand up like a man Job and answer me. Where were you when I flung the stars into space? Where were you when I poured out the oceans Job do you even understand how the earth was formed do you even understand how it's all held together where were you when I formed the Leviathan of old can you change one thing with your own word Job no you cannot but I am God and when I speak the stars are formed when I speak breath goes into a body when I speak things begin to happen when I speak things begin to change stand up like a man Joe now I know that's not politically correct because we are in such a pampered society that we want God to pat us on the back and say I'm so sorry that this happened to you but I've got a word for God for a righteous person this morning it's time to stand up throw back your shoulders and say I'm not making excuses anymore worship long enough you'll always find an excuse if you look for reasons you'll always find a reason to backslide if you're looking for a reason you will always find a reason to be unfaithful but you've got to make up your mind i'm going to worship god because he's bigger than my problem he's bigger than my pain he's bigger than my situation he's bigger than my circumstance his plan is bigger than what i'm going through right now He has a reason if he could form the stars, if he could fling them into space so intricately that the world moves. Did you know everything is spinning? Did you know this room is spinning right now? You don't even know it. The only reason that you can move your hands, the only reason that you can see a solid object is because there are microscopic spinning atoms inside of this. There is literally atomic energy that is spinning faster than the speed of light. You can't even see it, but it's happening and it brings it all together with gravity. God, in his intricate design, he caused the world to spin so quickly in the finite realm and spin so slowly in the grand realm you can't even see it either way that's how big God is that's how awesome God is and he's got a plan for your life you can't see it because it's spinning the motion is happening and you can't even see it yet that's how God operates he's the maker of the stars He's the maker of the oceans. He's your maker. He knows the way that you take. He knows your future. And so God speaks to Job from a storm. And Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou can do everything and that thou can speak to me right now. Who is it that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore... Have I uttered that I understood not? Things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Before all of this suffering, Lord, Job said, I had only heard about you, but now in my suffering, I have heard from you. I don't know about you, but I'm not content to just come to church and hear about God. I want to hear the voice of God Sometimes you can never experience the voice of God until you have endured the storm But let me give you a secret about how God deals with us in storms and you're not going to like it But if you can receive it it will change your life God will often rebuke you In the midst of a storm that you did not create. Mm. that's all right. I'll just preach it anyway. Yes, he will. God will often rebuke you in the midst of a storm that you did not create. I'll prove it to you. In the New Testament, Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. And then... Just a verse later, he calms the storm and rebukes his disciples' unbelief. They didn't cause the storm. They were just doing what Jesus told them to do. Jesus is the one who said, get in the boat and go to the other side. The storm comes up, they're afraid. And then Jesus rebukes them. And then he calms the storm. And then... Right after he calms the storm, he heals Jairus' daughter. Some of you still don't believe me. Jesus feeds the 5,000. Then he sends the disciples out on a boat. Another storm arises. Jesus comes walking to them on the water. Peter steps out of the boat and he has faith for a minute. Then he takes his eyes off Jesus. He begins to sink. Jesus rebukes Peter, rebukes the storm calms the storm, and then he steps out and he heals the Canaanite woman's daughter, grievously vexed with the devil. Here's the revelation as the musicians come that God gave to me for someone going through a storm. God has three miracles for every storm in your life. God can step in before your storm, during your storm, and after your storm. Here's what some of you are not going to receive, but you need to hear me. If you can handle the rebuke of God in the midst of your storm, you will step directly into a miracle. If you can handle the correction of God in the midst of a storm that you did not create, God will not only calm the storm, but He'll work a miracle right after the storm. If you can keep on serving God, even when you receive a rebuke that you don't feel like you deserve, if you'll keep walking with Him by faith, He's going to calm it and He's going to give you another miracle. He's He's going to bless you and bless you again and bless you again because he sees I can trust him in a storm. I can trust him to obey me even when it hurts. Stand with me all across the building. Someone needs a miracle this morning. Whether it's in your family Every head bowed, every eye closed. There are people here who need a miracle in their family. I need a miracle in my family. There are people here today who need a miracle in their finances. There are people here today who need a miracle in their bodies. God can and will... Step into every one of those situations. And some of you are feeling a disconnect from God. Because when you pray about it, you don't feel the comfort that you want to feel. God is speaking to you and you don't like what he's saying. But if you can come to this altar today and receive the voice of God in your life, nudging you towards faith nudging you towards submission, nudging you towards a renewed trust in Him. I'm telling you that He will calm your storm and He will work a fresh miracle in your life that you did not think was possible. If I was preaching to you today, I want you to come right now. If I wasn't preaching to you, that's okay. Stay right where you are. But I've been preaching to some jobs. Some of you have more than one area. You need a miracle in two or three of those areas. I want you to come. And I want you to receive the word of God. Just let him minister into your heart. Let him minister into your heart. Let him minister into your heart right now. We're going to just take about two minutes. And we're going to let the Lord rebuke us in our spirits. Can we do that? They're going to sing and we're just going to let the Lord. But we're not going to stay there. We're going to receive a miracle. Go ahead. Lord, God, I pray that you would remove anything in our heart. Any doubt, any fear, any negativity, any bitterness, God. Somebody help me pray against the spirit of bitterness right now. God's trying to take bitterness out of your heart. God's rebuking bitterness right now. I said God is rebuking bitterness right now. God is rebuking bitterness right now. God is rebuking rebuking the spirit of depression right now. Come out. Come out, God is rebuking the spirit of fear right now. Can you receive it? Can you receive it? God is rebuking the spirit of anxiety right now. Oh Come on, let him take it from you. Let him take it from you. Let him take it from you. I know it hurts. I know it hurts. That's your flesh dying. That's your flesh dying on the altar. Let it be crucified. Let it be crucified. Let your doubt
1: be crucified. Let your hurt be crucified.
0: That's it, Peter. You took your eyes off Jesus for just a moment. That's it, Peter. You took your eyes off Jesus, but He's reaching out your hand. Go ahead and take Him by the hand. Oh, if you can receive it, God's going to give God you a breakthrough. Is more
1: than enough. <laughs> he, he will supply that's all my needs. It he is my El Shaddai he always looks out for me Jehovah Jireh he is my God
0: somebody stepping into a breakthrough somebody stepping oh, into a miracle Jehovah Jireh. oh he is, he is my, my God, God. Oh, my God is more than enough he will supply
1: all my needs He is my hell, should die. He always looks out for me. Jehovah Jireh, He is my God. Jehovah Jireh, He is my God. My God is more than enough. He will supply all my needs. He is my El Shaddai. He always looks out for me. Jehovah Jireh. He is my God. Jehovah
0: Jireh. He is